0: it's time to take the quiz five questions five minutes a day five days a week
1: take the quiz every weekday at the quiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did play share and of course listen to the quiz at the quiz.fox
2: from the fox news radio studios in midtown manhattan it's the fastest growing radio talk show brian kilmeade
3: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here. 1-866-408-7669. I come to you from midtown Manhattan, but we are a global show. Uh, Alan West at the bottom of the arrow bring us inside Texas and more, as well as the infighting uh, on the right. It turns out uh, the speaker really got a hand uh, uh, a tongue lashing from many in the Freedom Caucus over the deal that he cut. And it's definitely going to affect some fundraising. He did meet, the speaker did meet with the former president yesterday. He has given a full-throated endorsement of Donald Trump. Uh, Also, Ben Hall uh, is going to be with us this hour. So let's get to the big three.
2: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big
4: Three. Number three. They are beefing up the budget for diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility training. Mm-hmm. You look at the 2022 budget for that, 68 million. 2023, 86 and a half million. The 2024 request is for 114 million dollars plus 700 thousand uh, and change.
3: Political correctness killing the Pentagon. First, the ouster of troops over refusal to get vax. Now they want them back. Said, "You can come back." Come on, guys. And now revealed the military is wasting millions on diversity instead of bombs, bullets, training, and recruiting.
5: Number two. I don't think that there's going to be a change here in the nominee. In that NBC poll, 77% of Democrats picked Biden for the nominee. He wants to run again. He is running. So I don't think there's a plan B.
3: Mark Penn weighing in. 2024, more polls show. Trump is too strong perhaps to stop. And the as the old label might be too the old label might be too much for Biden to beat. We review all aspects of 2024, including the GOP fractious attempt to protect their house.
6: Number one.
0: This puts, uh, I, I think, exposes clearly Hamas's lies. They've been saying for weeks that they've got no military installation there under the hospital. But I think it's time the whole world now admitted Hamas has been brutalizing the people of Gaza. Mm-hmm.
3: Mark Regev of uh, the Israeli government, spokesperson for Benjamin Netanyahu. Now we know. Hospitals were headquarters. In our headquarters, as captured Hamas terrorist reveal, they dressed as doctors and nurses hiding among the sick, which is why they are targets in Gaza. We bring you the latest. Now, I'm not in Israel. I don't get Israeli television at home. But evidently, on television, these Hamas fighters are admitting they were told to go to the hospitals, and they did what I just said they were doing. And they would go in there and just basically set up headquarters, thinking there's no way Israel will hit hospitals. But they did, and they would. They tried to avoid civilian contact, but that's where the headquarters is, and they're beginning to reveal it underneath. They got to a steel door yesterday in the video. So I think it's important to see. And on Israeli television, you're seeing these Hamas fighters get questioned. Uh, No duress, it doesn't seem. I don't know if that's uh, something that will be a violation uh, that we might hear of the Hague, but these people are just talking openly. This is what I was told to do. This is what I did as a Moss fighter. This is when they went into the planning. So that's why they're doing what they're doing. There were 250 separate strikes, and they're beginning to move south, the IDF is. Israeli officials now accuse Hamas of using the Shifa hospital as a main hub And they did it through the captured, since the Hamas captives are beginning to spill the secrets on the operation, what the approach is, and where we go from here. They give the names. It doesn't matter. Nobody knows them. They were organized with several tents, they would say, with each group of operatives by themselves, four to five of them sitting together, all of them around the hospital. They admitted the terrorists operated from the hospital because it was a secure place, and we could locate them there, meaning the hostages. We saw the video. of a a hostage being brought in against his will and another one bleeding being brought to the hospital. Here is Nancy Youssef uh, on MSNBC, a Washington, a Washington, uh, a WAPP national security correspondent. Cut five.
7: What we saw coming out of the hospital after the Israelis um, entered, I think, also then raised questions about the degree to which the hospital was used. Remember that in the run-up to um, Israel entering the hospital, they said that that it was the the focus of Hamas operations. But so far, we haven't seen evidence to that. While there have been AK-47s, rocket tanks, and other um, equipment found, there isn't anything to indicate that this is really sort of the central hub of Hamas operations.
3: So they say say Hamas fighters and Islamic Jihad fighters... Numbering about 100 where that uh, hospital in particular. So we'll see what she, she is reporting. Mark Regev says this as a senior advisor to Netanyahu. Cut four.
0: This puts, uh, I, I think, exposes clearly Hamas's lies. They've been saying for weeks that they've got no ma- military installation there under the hospital. And more concerning is you've got international organizations who, who have been parroting this Hamas fiction that there's no, uh, no uh, Hamas military presence. Under the hospital. And, you know, we've not seen it. We've seen no proof. I think it's time the whole world now admitted. Hamas has been brutalizing the people of Gaza. Mm -hmm. Hamas has deliberately used this hospital as a shield for its military machine.
3: Well, the good news is uh, there'll be a hostage exchange, it seems, maybe sometime within our show. They're getting closer and closer. Uh, that, according to Hamas, chief says they're close to a, they said a truce. I think that's the wrong word. A truce was in cessations. This would be a, a pause, maybe. They wanted them to move, remove the drones from from northern Gaza. I would not remove the drones. That means Hamas wants to move around. Forget it. Uh, put the drones up and find out where they're coming from. So the Qataris are mediating this. Uh, so we'll see. Hopefully we'll have some good news shortly Can't imagine. He took so many old people who were infirmed. They took tiny children. Can you imagine how terrified they are? All right, let's talk about 2024. I don't want to take too much time from Benjamin, but in 2024, President Biden is getting more and more questions about his age. and He's trying to kid it, uh, shrug it off and and kid about it, but it's just not working because— People don't think that, number one, he's trailing by another poll, the Harris poll. He's trailing by Trump again. He's trailing the Siena poll to Trump again. He's trailing the CNN poll to Trump again. He's trailing the Fox poll to Trump. And it's really on performance. They look at 16 to, 20, to, to 2020, and they prefer 2020 to 2023, and they're not happy with you, President Biden. Here he is trying to make a joke. He gets totally confused between Taylor Swift and Britney Spears. Cut 11. Just to get here, Liberty and Bell had to beat some tough odds in competition. They had to work hard to show patience and be willing to travel over a thousand miles. You could say even this harder than getting a, a ticket to the Renaissance tour or or, or tour. She's down in,
5: it's kind of warm in Brazil right now.
3: What do you say to that? What do you say to that? Everybody misspeaks. You know what misspeaking is? Trump on stage talking to got confused, confused between uh, Hungary and Turkey. He corrected it the next line. I mean, that is just nuts. He was supposed to say Taylor Swift down on the South American tour. But if you want to confuse Britney Spears and Taylor Swift, but I mean, just to run out of gas in your st- sentence while you're trying to tell everyone you are ready to go. This is why they, they don't trust him. His own staff does not trust him. Not just because he confuses Beyonce and Britney Spears. No one thinks he's a pop artist. Expert. Here's Lee Carter, and then I'll take a break because I want to get to Benjamin Hall in his big interview with Zelensky. Cut 16.
1: It does not look good uh, for Joe Biden right now. And there's a couple of things that I would be most concerned about if I were him. Number one, he is losing significant numbers among younger voters. He carried young voters by a lot uh, last time. It doesn't look like he's going to be able to do that. The other thing that is really damning in some of these polls is his favorability among independents. Two and three are saying they look at him unfavorably. Fifty five percent, I'm sorry, 65 percent of even Democrats say they don't think he's fit mentally, fit for office so these numbers are really really staggering and he can't just get through them by denying it um and he's not going to be able to do it by hiding either
3: uh that's true i know they they go back and some people have used this analogy eisenhower said we're running for re-election i'm not going to go out on the campaign trail they know what the american people know who i am and what i've done president biden doesn't have that option nobody thinks that eisenhower couldn't have campaigned i thought he chose not to campaign and they were right and he won easily. Republican. So we'll take a time out. Come back with Benjamin Hall. Why? Great guy. Great correspondent. Unbelievable knowledge of war zones, terrorist mindset. Interviewed ISIS, Hamas, all of them. And uh, sadly got blown up in Ukraine. Nearly lost his life. So he went back. And not only that, he went with Lachlan Murdoch. And he went back on the same train he was taken out on, clinging to life. And he went back and sat for 90 minutes with President Zelensky. you listen to The Brian Kilmeade Show.
2: Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. The Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
8: Two of, uh, of my team were killed when I was injured Pierre, our cameraman, and yeah. Sasha. I know their families obviously would think about that an awful lot. Well, I wonder if you had a message for them. I
9: wanted to say my condolences to all the parents, relatives of those very brave guys, men and women who lost their lives because they really wanted to help Ukraine. History of Ukraine will never forget such brave people. And he
3: was talking about um, Sasha and Pierre who lost their lives. Benjamin Hall was clinging to his and now doing extremely well, but went back to Ukraine where he was, uh, where he was hit and, and, and barely survived. Uh, and to go and not only go back there with Lachlan Murdoch, president of our company, but also to sit down with President Zelensky uh Benjamin Hall number 1 new york times bestseller a war a correspondent like nobody else uh he is with us now Ben welcome back i know i talked to you on tv before our radio audience what was it like going back on the same train that you came out on on a stretcher in
8: yeah <laughs> Brian it's funny because i don't generally show much emotion in my life and i was thinking in the week leading up to this what would an experience with this be like? Would I have my eyes on getting the news and reporting, or would I be taken back to some of those really dark days and hours that I felt before? And um, I think the truth is both happened. And I remember getting on that train in Poland, a nighttime train about 10 hours long and sitting down. And that was the point at which I, I thought I've done this journey before. And I did it when I was near death and I was so badly injured and in so much pain, and rather than getting sad, I had an immense amount of pride, and I felt we had achieved so much by going back, and any worry that I had that it would be negative, uh, that was the moment I realized this was going to be a positive story, and and I was going to come out of it stronger, and I just remember thinking that when the attack happened, uh, just a few days later, I remember saying to myself, I'm going back to Ukraine. I'm going back when I can because I need to show that you might knock us down, but you won't stop us. And I got all those feelings going in. And then the other side of the news, and I clicked into work mode. There was President Zelensky, an interview i would wanted to do for a couple of years. And um, I guess that's what you do as a war correspondent. You put aside the feelings and you focus on what you've got to do. So that was uh, important as well.
3: So when you get in there, you sit down and you get the, the number, the top interview with President Zelensky. He gives you an award, but then you sit down and you said you talked to him for 90 minutes. What was your approach? We're going to see it on a special report tonight. And then the unedited version, I hope will be posted somewhere. But what was your approach to the interview and what did you get?
8: Well, you know you never know with interviews how much time you're going to get. And so, you know, your priorities come up front and you have to get in the questions you really want. And for me, I knew the first few questions I needed to ask. Are you really in a stalemate, which his top general has said. And to that, he said, no, it is no stalemate, but we are disappointed with how the counteroffensive has gone. And we didn't take land that much land back, really. But he said, we managed to push Russian troops out of the uh, Navy, out of the Black Sea. So... Yes, some negatives, but look, yes, some positives. And then I wanted to ask him about the funding from Congress, which has been delayed at the moment. And was he getting worried that U.S. support was also drifting away? And he said that he was aware of that, and that. but he, he, he knew that Americans were by his side and he knew that some deal would be arranged. And so it, he was confident that this round of funding was coming, but he did know there was a time limit on it and that this can't be a forever war and that, you know, that can start to change. So but he's aware of it at the moment. And he, he was saying, I want Americans to know that we can co-produce weapons. We want to also create American jobs if we are going to start co-producing weapons. We want to take European money because it is more on their borders. So he was offering a, a number of varieties and solutions, which might perhaps make it easier for some Americans who disagree with the amount of money being spent there could understand. But, um he yeah, he he's just very grateful for the help he's got so far and he also says they don't have enough weapons and they do need more weapons and which is just something we've heard him say Said before as
3: well. The attackums uh, looks like they, we got one version of attackums gave them like 14. We don't have that many, but that would be key because they were starting to hit inside Russia. I understood they got over a weapons depot. We know they had tremendous success in Crimea. You mentioned their navy was forced out of, uh, of Crimea, which is awesome. They found a way to get some grain out, which is great, um, and they fight like uh, warriors. But it seems like the Russians are doing their using their one asset. They got more people, and they're throwing waves of people at them.
8: Yeah, and um, I, I asked about that on the other side as well. I said so Russia doesn't seem to have any problems continuing to send more more troops your way. Are you having a problem in Ukraine with you know enlisting people? And he said, yeah, that the numbers have slowed somewhat, and we are aware that 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 might be a concern and that Russia is playing the long game right now. You know, they didn't manage to take Kiev and Ukraine in the first few days that they hoped they would. And instead they are now seeing this in the multi-year war and in the multi-year war, keeping the numbers up, the sol- number of soldiers up in Ukraine, he admits that could be difficult uh, if you can keep going. And so again, another reminder that now is the time that he needs help. Now is the time that he needs weapons and funding. Um, so, yeah. Could it-
3: uh, charismatic, uh, direct. He was, you know, you, d- you thought? Me he
8: was quite a. He he was almost a bit of a philosopher and a thinker. And you know, you ask a question, and of course, we're on TV, and you like to get nice, short answers. But sometimes his answers would go on for five, ten minutes, and he'd sort of move from one topic to the next before coming back again. But no, he he was a real thinker, and I think he also understood how different uh, stories matched and and you know, how one has a relevance on another. And so he tied many of them together. So, no, I was impressed by him, actually. Um And, um you know, he talked also about himself, the, the impact that it's had on his life. He doesn't get to see his family that often. His children cry when he sees them, but he has decided he doesn't want to cry back. He wants to show them strength, and he wants to show that strength to the Ukrainian people as well. And... Um, that this is something that he is also doing to save the future of his family as well as the future of the country. So it was um, – you know, but he's also locked up in that palace, by the way. I mean, when we went in, those corridors are black to try and save electricity. They have sandbags and barricades everywhere. The windows are blacked out. They didn't just take away our phones. They took away our watches and they took away our pens. I mean, they are so concerned for assassination attempts. And he told us that there had been five or six assassination attempts on his life that they had stopped. Um, and he said that um, an assassination attempt, he said, is like COVID. You worry about it the first time you get it, but not the other time. Right. So, uh, was, uh,
3: Lachlan uh, was a fun travel in Lachlan?
8: Yes. I mean, uh, you know, it. It's great. It was the first time I've met him. He's the president of our company. It's just um, I'm always amazed at how, you know, in touch they are with everything that's happening, both in the stories we're telling uh, and news around the world. And uh, he really does understand what's going on. And we talked a lot about sort of the relationship between what's happening in Israel and knock-on effects mm-hmm. in Russia. And um, so he he was he was kind. He was he paid tribute to Pierre and Sasha gotcha. all all the time. And he really understood that the purpose of this trip was news gotcha. gathering, and he let journalists lead it.
3: Benjamin Hall, watch him tonight Special Report. Ben, fantastic you did that. Thanks for sharing your story. Appreciate it.
8: Thanks, Brian. Appreciate it.
3: Lieutenant Colonel Alan West next. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here.
2: Radio that makes you think. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. We were serious people, and this is an administration that has been deeply unserious when it comes to pushing back against the Islamic Republic of Iran and its hostage-taking. You'll remember, it's not that long ago that we paid $6 billion in ransom to get back five Americans, and within just a handful of weeks, there's now more Americans than that uh, held by the Iranian regime. When you are unserious, the bad guys perceive that they can move about the cabin freely, they can take Americans, they can fire over four dozen Uh, attacks on American soldiers, sailors, airmen, marines in the Middle East. They can do these things with impunity because the administration hasn't demonstrated a credible deterrent threat.
3: Uh, over is the key. Uh, how about close to 60 attacks? We've had four back. And evidently, President Biden, right from the White House, has tied the hands of the Pentagon when it comes to striking back. And there's a lot of people in uh, right now deployed overseas in the Middle East that are very upset that they're sitting ducks and unable to defend themselves. You want to know what our recruiting bad? Afghanistan, number one. Or there's three. Afghanistan, number one. Number two, the DEI and the equity that's now involved out of, instead of meritocracy and all the political correctness that's out there, millions have poured into it. This is a fact. It's not an opinion. It's not one person who was unhappy with this commanding officer. This is a curriculum that we are financing. And you have those two things, and then you have a situation with that, with uh, when the unbeable un- to uh, stick up for yourself and fight without your uh, being handcuffed. Lieutenant Colonel Arnold West spent the bulk of his professional life in the military. He's uh, the American Constitutional Rights Union executive, and he joins us now. Uh, Director. Uh, Colonel, welcome back.
10: It's always good to be with you, Brian, and happy Thanksgiving.
3: Uh, same to you. A couple of days away, but first things first. I'm yep. sure you read the story in the Washington Post, how there's people are really upset, that anonymous, that they've been really uh, hogtied because they can't really fight back and yet it's daily attacks on our bases by Iranian militia. Evidently, we told them, we told Iran to tell them to stop. Do you believe this?
10: No, it, it, is, it is hard to believe, but it is what we have come to expect from a very feckless and weak administration, and of course that's what your enemy is going to see as an enticement, and they're going to be emboldened, and they're going to continue to strike harder. You know, just shooting back at an empty warehouse, that's not a response. We have been, you know, suffering our men and women on the battlefield from Iran and their terrorist proxies, and also the elect- the uh, explosive force penetrators, which was that form OF uh, IED THAT WAS VERY DAMAGING TO OUR MEN AND WOMEN THAT WERE DEPLOYED OVER IN THE MIDDLE EAST, WE'VE GOT TO STRIKE IRAN BACK, YOU KNOW, HARD. AND WE'VE GOT TO HIT THEM AND and GET THEM TO SEE THAT WE ARE ABOUT STRENGTH AND MIGHT. AND, YOU KNOW, WHEN YOU CONTINUE TO BOLSTER THEIR REVENUES, uh, GUESS WHERE THAT MONEY GOES. IT DOES NOT GO TO IMPROVE THE WAY OF LIFE OF THE IRANIAN CITIZEN. IT GOES TO SUPPORT THE TERRORISM. AND THEY ARE THE NUMBER ONE SPONSOR thereof. And SO I AGREE WITH THE FORMER SECRETARY OF STATE IS THAT You are showing such abject weakness that you're inspiring all of these actions. From
3: what you see, are you happy about uh, where the Israeli forces are prosecuting this war in Gaza?
10: Yes, absolutely right. Uh, what they have done is a very good operational move in cutting off and uh, separating out Gaza, and now they're focusing on Gaza Strip. They're identifying these tunnels. And the other thing is that they realize how important it is to win the propaganda war, the information operation war, and them showing the evidence of Hamas using Al-Shifa Hospital, showing the tunnels and uh, showing the uh, armaments and equipment that have been stored in these hospitals. But yet we don't see a condemnation, a universal condemnation uh, of Hamas for using hospitals, which if you want to talk about a violation of international law and something that the United Nations should condemn, we, we have proof, we have evidence of it. So it just goes to show that the United Nations and the international community is really pro-Islamic terrorist organization. That, that's what their, their silence says.
3: I, I want you to hear what Jonathan Gillum said this morning,
10: ISRAEL IS
2: PRESSING FORWARD uh, IN THEIR GROUND MOVEMENT uh, VERY TACTICALLY AND THEY'RE DOING VERY GOOD AS FAR AS uh, THAT GOES BUT THEY'RE LOSING IN THE PROPAGANDA WAR AND uh, THAT'S BECAUSE IRAN IS is SUCH AN ADVANCED INTELLIGENCE AGENCY AND MOST PEOPLE DON'T REALIZE um, so when you look at Hamas, uh, the way they advertised and put out the videos that they did, they were inspiring people around the world that are loyal to them. When you see things like what happened today uh, with the, or yesterday with the Houthis uh, and this cargo ship, uh, you see the same thing where they're inspiring yep. people uh, that are loyal to them. So
3: that is true. These proxies, Hamas, Hezbollah, the Houthis. Uh, they're doing this. Iran's running this. And they're not being able to they're not paying any price. In fact, they'll continue with their nuclear program and their exporting oil.
10: Well, the interesting thing. Uh, and, and when I listen to Jonathan, this would have been a great topic for Joe Biden with Xi Jinping with with tick you know, because you see a preponderance of pro-Hamas uh, propaganda on TikTok. When you look at someone like Mark Zuckerberg and some of these th- others, why are they continuing to allow Iran and Hamas to have a platform on, you know, any of these social media? And, and we should also be talking about Elon Musk. We need to isolate Iran and Hamas and Hezbollah and all these Islamic terrorist organizations from having any type of means by which they can leverage uh, social media or any of these platforms for their communications. And so I think that's where we need to come together. Israel is doing as best as they possibly can to get the truth out there, but we're not supporting them from, uh, you know, that information operation aspect of it. And again, you know, here you have the Houthis. They have been firing weapons against uh, U.S. military bases. So at some point in time, we're going to have to do you know what uh, uh, and get engaged with this and not be so... So fearful and recalcitrant and reticent in confronting Iran. We can do that diplomatically, we can do it economically, but we're going to have to do it militarily.
3: So I'm sure you've heard this, but the military is now putting tens of millions of dollars into uh, equity training uh, and different type yeah. of uh, diversity training. And it is, I find it so sickening. And the Pentagon might be generating himself, I'm not sure if it comes from the White House, we're trying to get to the bottom of it. But they're slated to spend $270 million on their diversity agenda. $28 million to $114 14 million in the department initial request for fiscal year 2024. If the DOD's initial request for DEIA funding, I don't know what the A is for, is included in the final legislative department, we'll have to spend $269 million on diversity initiatives across fiscal years 22, 23, 24, uh, and 25. Adding to $89 million in training that's not going to help us win wars, but function no. in a way this administration wants to. When when you see stuff like this, and this is a 34-page document that was published internally, mm-hmm. when you see stuff like this, knowing how many years
10: you served, have you ever heard of anything like this happening when you served? no. No, well, you know, Bill Clinton had, you know, some very, you know, crazy initiatives uh, during the time period that he was in, but this has gone completely off the rails. But it's not just about me reading it or you reading it. It's about China reading it. It's about Iran, Russia, North Korea, Islamic terrorists. They're reading that. They see where the priorities are for this administration when it comes to our military. It's not recruiting them, it's not training them, it's not equipping them, it's about indoctrinating them. And when you have that DE, this cultural Marxist focus, then everyone knows that recruiting is down and now's the time to to go after the United States of America. Heck, uh, just recently, Brian, the United States Army and the Marine Corps had recruiting booths at an anime convention. Now, that tells you how desperate what is the an military anime? is. What is anime? That's that Japanese cartoon stuff, okay? So we're going out there trying to to recruit from people that are, you know, you know, Unbelievable. involved in Japanese uh, cartoons, anime, and that was in New York City. So this administration does not care about our national security. Their foreign policy is weak, and so therefore everyone sees this is an opportunity to overtake the United States of America.
3: Yeah, the uh, NSA has a uh, – they found a copy of the NSA's uh, diversity uh, – of their handbook, the Diversity Equity Handbook, an inclusion glossary. They obtained and verified by the Daily Wire. It shows the agency now provides definitions in terms of queer theory, white fragility, as part of an expansion guide to 327 social justice terms that blame white Europeans for engaging in settler colonialism and warn of transmisogyny. So what the hell is going on here What is going on at the Pentagon? If I'm secretary of defense and they hand me this, I don't care if it was my life going gold to do it. I'd hand it back and I'd say, I'm done with this. Keep your job. And then I'd call a press conference and say, I'm concerned for my country.
10: Yeah, but sadly, Lloyd Austin has bought into that, and this is Lloyd Austin, who is a retired four-star general, uh, a man that, you know, I served with on Fort Bragg, North Carolina, who was a brigade commander in the 82nd Airborne Division. These people have sold out their oath to the Constitution, sold out our military, so that they can be in a position, and they are willing masters to an ideological agenda that is destroying our, our United States military. But you're right, and and where are the four-star generals uh, that are in uniform stand up and say, hey, I'm going to put my stars on the table. We're not doing this, and if you want me to do it, I I quit. I resign. We're not seeing that. Everyone is in the go-along, get-along mode, and it's destroying our military. We're not getting out there and recruiting. We're not training them, and if you talk to people that are in the military, they're getting out because they're not training in their their occupational specialty. They're just sitting around having classes on cultural Marxism.
3: I got one quick thing. If you're one of the 1,900 that were told to leave because you wouldn't get vaccinated the military is now saying sorry you can come yes. back now what would you say
10: uh the only way i would come back is if they get rid of all this dei stuff and i get a full uh, recompensation of the benefits and pay that i lost and you putting me out and i want a letter of apology from the president
3: uh, on when it comes to 2024 uh, msnbc did this little thing trying to figure out the black vote is disappearing from president biden but where is he going This Washington Post opinion editor Uh, said this. Cut 23.
1: One thing that is clear in polling trends, focus group trends and otherwise is that black voters and other voters are looking for an alternative. Black voters have long felt and said and showed us that they feel taken for granted by the Democratic Party. We've seen the ways in which VP Harris hasn't been supported as much as some folks would like by the Democratic Party, by President Biden. And the real kicker with RFK Jr. and something that is particularly unique to him is that he taps into this deep-seated, deep-rooted medical skepticism that a lot of Black folks across the country feel rightfully so. There has been medical racism going back, you know, to the 1800s through now. There is ample reason why folks might feel distrustful of their health care providers or of what even the government is telling us we should do with our bodies with respect to vaccines. Now, that is not to say that everything RFK Jr. says about vaccines is directly appealing to Black voters. But when he talks about these things and brings up the idea that actually maybe they're lying to you or maybe you shouldn't take this vaccine, he's really trying to get at what other folks aren't saying to these voters, which is I hear you. Mm -hmm. I see you. I understand why you might feel this way.
3: But by the way, everybody on our channel was saying that. So uh, flip the channel around. But your thoughts about that opinion?
10: Well, the party of systemic racism has always been the Democrat Party. And this is why I truly believe at some point in time, somehow... Uh, they're going to try to look at how they can dump uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. But I think they would seek to replace that ticket with a uh, Gavin Newsom and a Michelle Obama because they understand how important the black vote is, especially the black female vote. Yes, you could see blacks going towards RFK, but you're seeing a lot of blacks. That recent poll that came out in New York Times, 22 percent, going over to support Donald Trump. People like strength. People, you know, the the, the policies against school choice. Uh, the the economic policies of President Trump were very beneficial to the black community his support of historic black colleges and universities uh, economic empowerment zones and urban centers so people remember these things and you don't see any type of alternative coming from that
3: thanks so much Colonel Allen West always so uh, great to, to to handle the world's problems one by one uh, with you have a great Thanksgiving sir
10: God bless, and you too. Eat plenty of turkey.
3: All right, let's let's uh, let's do it. And then watch Lions win for a change when we come back. I wrap things up for this hour. On Take some calls if we can squeeze them in. 1 866 408 7669. Brian Kilmeade Show.
2: It's Brian Kilmeade. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show.
7: Our perspective is that it's not about age, it's about the president's experience. That's what we believe. And it's, you know, as they say, the proof is in the pudding, right? The president has used his experience to pass more bipartisan legislation in recent time than any other president. That's just a fact. That is something that we have seen this president do, and that's because of his experience.
5: Did
3: she say the poof is in the pudding? Uh, I think she said the poof is in the pudding. So everybody sees I love when when President Biden stops saying it, I think. Watch me. If you think I'm too old, watch me. Yeah, we're watching. We're scared to death. Uh, You're going to fall off your bike. You're going to fall off the stage. You're not going to know how to leave the stage. We saw it. You have trouble hanging a wreath. Does anyone think you're going to handle China? Does anyone think you're going to have a way out and have the backbone to stand up to your own party when it comes to Israel? Who We have Israel, the Democrats so incensed they have their activists trying to take over your own Democratic headquarters in Washington. It got violent. Six Capitol police were hurt. Where's the investigation on that? Can we have a primetime TV hearing? Six Capitol Police word. I thought you loved the cops. So he is old. He acts older than his age, and he's 81. What I love is yesterday uh, The Atlantic, I think it was yesterday, published a story. You know who else is old? Donald Trump is old. And they talk about things in this story that made me laugh out loud, one of which Donald Trump's references are old. He talks about Marxism, communism, and Cold War. Old. You guys even paying attention. Do you know? Did you see Mark Levin's book? Did you read Ted Cruz's book? Have you been watching what's happening on these campuses? Have you been seeing this next generation who are mostly Democrats and what they think of our democracy and capitalism, Cold War, communism? Can you say China? Can you see what Russia is doing invading another country? Do you really have to go back to Brezhnev, 1972, missile agreement? In order to think, wow, Donald Trump must be caught in a time warp. And then they say, and even his music references are dated Elton John and Rolling Stones. First off, if Elton John went to Madison Square Garden, he would sell it out, and a lot of those people would be young. You ever go to a wedding? Elton John. Do you ever go to, have uh, you been paying attention to the Billboard charts? I believe the Rolling Stones are coming out with a new album. They will sell out stadiums. So if you want to rip Trump, and say he's old, 77, you could say he's old, but his references are not dated. The other thing you say is, well, you, what you're doing with your hair to not look bald and gray and what you're doing with your makeup makes you look like a fraud, but I assume you'd rather look like a fraud than look old. So there you go. Maybe that's working for you. What an insult. A fraud? People wear makeup? A fraud? That's everybody on TV. Even idols that they probably worship, like Keith Oberman. he gets on TV, he's wearing makeup. All right. And everybody that dyes their hair is a fraud. I don't. But if I did, it's not a fraud. Everyone who takes just for men is a fraud. And they walk out. Ron DeSantis says he loses himself in his copy and his prompter. And he used to be much more reckless and free-willing. Well, right now he doesn't have to be. And I thought Ronda I actually think Ron DeSantis is off base on this. Just like I think he can't go after Trump on the wall because you have other levels of government. You don't have, like Florida, all Republicans who will do anything you want. You have the House and Senate, but you didn't have 60 votes in the Senate. Having said all that, I just think that Trump is vulnerable to DeSantis and Haley, but not that way. But he's going after Trump's age and saying he lost his fastball. That's going to draw blood. But the Atlantic story, a desperate attempt to say that Joe Biden is not that old. Look at Donald Trump. Nice try. The proof is in the pudding. Watch me.
2: From high atop Fox News headquarters in New York City, always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade.
3: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. Come to you from 48th and 6th of Midtown Manhattan a couple of days before Thanksgiving. And it feels like a couple of days before Christmas. It is unbelievably cold, but that's why we're indoors. We turned down all opportunities to go out on the patio. Varney and company, we're going to do a simulcast there. Dan Belak will join us from Ukraine. Uh, man, this is that uh, white hot right now with us. Anyway, Benjamin Hall just went over there. The site in which he got blown up, almost died, lost two of his crew members and our colleagues. Uh, went back and interviewed President Zelensky for an hour and a half. Uh, we got uh, a cut from that. will be on Special Report tonight. So Dan Belak inside the war that's ongoing. And Bob Cusack on 2024, uh, I want to focus a little bit on the House with him. I was f- stunned to find out how bad things got for Speaker Johnson. Um, listen to uh, The Daily on The New York Times yesterday. So let's get to the big three.
4: Now with the stories you need to know. It's Brian's Big Three. Number three. They are beefing up the budget for diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility training. You look at the 2022 budget for that, $68 million. 2023, $86.5 million. The 2024 request is for $114 million plus $700,000 uh, and change.
3: So you can... You don't think that would be better off giving our troops a raise, helping with recruiting, getting bullets, getting bombs? No. We're talking about equity. We're talking about diversity in our military, costing millions of dollars at a time in which we're being challenged all over the globe. That cannot stand.
11: Number two.
5: I don't think that there's going to be a change here in the nominee. In that NBC poll, 77% of Democrats picked Biden for the nominee. He wants to run again. He is running. So I don't think there's a plan B.
3: Mark Penn, a political pundit, expert, pollster, also somebody that got Clinton elected, knows the Democratic Party. 2024, more polls show. Trump is too strong, perhaps, to stop, as the old label might be too too much for Biden to overcome. We'll review all aspects of 2024, including the GOP fractious attempt to protect their house.
6: Number one.
0: This puts, uh, I, I think, exposes clearly Hamas's lies. They've been saying for weeks that they've got no military installation there under the hospital. But I think it's time the whole world now admitted Hamas has been brutalizing the people of Gaza. Mm-hmm.
3: Mark Regev, spokesperson for Benjamin Netanyahu. Now we know hospitals were headquarters as captured Hamas terrorists reveal on camera. They dress like doctors, nurses and hid among the sick, which is why they are targets in Gaza and why they're hitting a hospital right now. Uh, That is the number one story. Bob Cusack joins us now, editor in chief of The Hill. Bob, first off, how stunning is it to see the Democrats fractured over this? the, The President Biden's correct position on Israel.
9: Well, I tell you brian, you know it's it's something that Democrats have been disappointed in uh President Biden before they wanted to build back better. they wanted a three and a half trillion dollar bill at one point Bernie sanders was was floating six trillion and and they didn't get they they got the inflation reduction Act, which was obviously cut in half um and they were upset by by that. however, this issue uh the israel Hamas issue is one. Uh, that I think a lot of Democrats uh, on the left, uh, they are not going to forgive uh, Biden. And that's a big problem for him. And in, in that cut you played about you know, 77 percent of Democrats uh, want Biden to run, that's actually not a great stat. I mean, if it was Obama at this point uh, seeking reelection, it's probably 97 percent of, of Democrats. So he's got a party unity problem. And as we all know, uh, the, the party down the stretch that's most united usually
3: wins. Right. And by the way, 30 percent of independents support him. That's the key. So uh, you're right. That is key. He's 90 percent. He got 7 percent among Republicans. But so many people uh, seem to be coming out just on this Israel issue. How about how underreported it seems to me? Maybe you're in Washington and it isn't that the DNC headquarters was basically raided. Six cops get hurt. Protests against with congressmen on the inside like Brad Sherman. These yep. are these are these are Talib used to people wanted to marginalize Talib. Why is she doing such crazy things? I don't know why she wants to be in this country personally. But there's a lot of people who are just as extreme as her.
9: Well, listen. And if you if you watch the video of that, there have been a lot of peaceful uh, protests on, on both sides uh, of this intense debate and argument. Uh, but that was not that was not peaceful uh, whatsoever. Uh, and, and the proof is in the video. And and it is striking. And obviously, Democrats who were stuck in that building, the DNC building, which is right by Capitol Hill, uh, it, it it was startling. And uh, to get them out of there, that's a real problem. And honestly, Brian, I don't see this stopping. Obviously, the war is going to be continuing, and hopefully we get all the hostages out. But the conflict is going to be continuing. And it's fair to say, especially because this was Israel's 9-11, that this is not going to be a, a short term war and and it's likely to to go into the election year perhaps deep and perhaps beyond uh so and this is not a good this is not a good thing for for biden obviously he didn't start the war but at the same time uh he was was promising things would calm down and you know the world the people if you look at the polls they're they're not happy with the economy we' got two wars raging. Uh, and, and he's got to defend his record this time. around. that's why this 2024 is, is totally different than 2020. He's got to run on his own record. COVID is over. Uh, over. He's going to have to uh, be on the campaign trail. And honestly, he has not been very media accessible, as you know, Brian.
3: I mean, major stories, major decisions being shouted at him as he's walking away onto a plane or helicopter or into a beach house. And he shouts, are the hostages to, about to be released? Yes, Yet, whoa, well, wait a second. The president of the United States just say a deal for the hostages is imminent. And then you go back to the Israelis, you go, no, we, we don't think it's imminent. And then two days go by and not, nothing happened because he's disrespecting the press, walking away every day. And I know Trump was the other way, never walked away from a camera. And people love to just fight with him. And we, we've all seen that with the chopper in the background. And we have another guy that just doesn't – rarely ever walks over, does not do sit-down interviews – and still at the same time wants to convince people he's not too old to do the job. I don't think he can have it both ways. And you know the one thing that's changed, Bob? You can no longer say Trump can't win. He might, be, he might win the primary, but he can't win the general. CNN, uh, New York Times, Fox News, Harvard, uh, the Harris Poll, all have Trump beating him head to head.
9: Absolutely. And and that's you know, that is something that uh, you have to have free media. The first time I interviewed Trump at Trump Tower, uh, his staff said, "Okay, you got 15 minutes. We asked tough but fair questions. We got 80 minutes. He gave us uh, three subsequent interviews from Trump Trump Tower before he won the White House. If you're going to run for the White House, you've got to go for it. You can't be careful. And just get in the White House. Ask Hillary Clinton about that. And and Trump is is going for it. He's media accessible. And honestly, you're totally right about the narrative, which I, I had been frustrating me for months because I've talked to Democrats who seem way overconfident, even months ago, that Biden. Well, he won last time, so he's going to win again. That race was extremely close. Came, came down at like tens of thousands of votes in in several states. So uh, this is something that Trump uh, can easily uh, win. And right now, he's in the lead.
3: Right. Uh, But they're trying to say is not that he'll be right wing. They'll say he's dangerous for democracy. He is Hitler. And now he's now they're saying that we read the Atlantic magazine story. I just went over the audience. They're saying he's too old because he makes uh, the whole story. Trump is really old. okay, because he likes the Rolling Stones and Elton John shows he's dated because he thinks about the Cold War, communism and Marxism. Really? Do you think that that is not a theme today? So uh, I I just – and the reference said his older sister died and his younger brother died, more indications that he's old. I'm reading this story. I can't – my jaw's on the ground. So I mean –
9: Yeah, no, listen. I mean, and and it's something, too, that that I think the White House is totally misplaying uh, this issue about Biden's age uh, because obviously that's why some of these stuff about – about Trump's age, I know DeSantis has gone after Trump a little bit on on his age, and sometimes it's really not age; it's how sharp you are. Bernie Sanders is is older than Biden, but but in a lot of ways, you know, he he's sharper. Uh, he just is, and 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 everyone makes mistakes on the campaign trail, whether it's Trump or, or Biden. But age is a significant factor. I think the White House should be embracing its underdog role instead of saying, just as Biden says repeatedly, "Watch me, watch me." Having all the candles on the on the, on the you know I heard Carl Ro this morning uh, that doesn't work and I agree with him that th- that's not the way to, to play this. You should embrace the right. underdog status as Obama did and he ended up winning.
3: So Bob, we we talked a lot about the president, but I, I want to talk about the House and the Senate. and The House got a huge problem making money, earning money, and those twenty-two days didn't make people want to donate. Obviously, without a speaker, and then we find out when they did the CR and the two tiers that that Speaker Johnson did it. He got a warning. From the Freedom Caucus, you better not do that again. I mean, how many votes did he lose? Seventy, eighty? Uh, mm-hmm. A Republican votes to do it, and now he gets a warning. He, you know, he had no choice. He could have shut he down had- the government.
9: Absolutely, no, absolutely. I think Mike, Mike Johnson led. Uh, you know, a lot of Democrats were very skeptical. They mocked the the two tier, which is really not that complicated if you think about it. Just basically two deadlines of extending the government, and 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 Democrats went along with it just as they had gone along with Kevin McCarthy's. Effort to 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 not have a shutdown. Obviously, the conservatives want more, and they're always going to want more. Um, But at the same time, uh, Johnson, I think, got a victory there. The problem is, is you got to convince your own guys you got a victory, and a lot of them think they got a loss.
3: So I understand donations to the House campaign has lagged big time. The National Republican Congressional Committee raised slightly more than five million in October. Uh, Now, latest report underscores their cash problem. They reported you're having 37 million in the bank uh, end of October. But trailing the Democratic counterparts, by 10 million at this point in 2021. Uh, at this point in 2021, the Republicans had 67 million in the bank. So they got to make up big time. And Kevin McCarthy is the workhorse. And I think McCarthy would be willing to help perhaps. But I'm not sure. I mean, I'm not sure what McCarthy's role. We're in, we're un- you know, we're in unknown <laughs> territory with him.
9: Uh, well, we are, and and uh, it's so bizarre to have four, two former speakers still serving in, in Pelosi and McCarthy, and, and we don't know what McCarthy's future is. He knows and has shown that he can raise money. This is a real problem, though, uh, and not surprising that donors were turned off by the chaos with the with the speakership and and it's finally getting one with Johnson. Remember, the House is barely in Republican hands, so this that's why this election is so important beyond the presidential, which is a, you know basically a toss up. So is the House. So was the Senate, though. I'd, I'd give a, a, an edge to Republicans in the Senate based upon the map. But that's everyone wants money, and I'm sure the Senate Republicans are, are telling donors, Well, give us money instead of the House Republicans, but but they all need money. And and I think Johnson they've recently announced a new fundraising mechanism for Speaker Johnson. That was issue number one because he's not a big fundraiser, but once you're Speaker, you can raise a lot of money, and that's what he's going to be doing.
3: Yeah, it was, uh, very interesting. I know that the House, uh, the Democrats believe they have the House just to go over the taking. Lee Zeldin's fanning out in New York to try to keep the seats he helped win in New York. Uh, and there's going to be other people, I think, that are not going to be voting just on abortion. It's going to be on inner city and immigration. What do your stats show and what is your feedback on those top issues?
9: Well, the, the, Zeldin is, is a very smart political operative, and he knows that uh, the path to the majority goes through if Democrats are going to get it through New York and California. Uh, New York in particular, uh, Republicans did well in the last election uh, based on on the crime issue. So now this is a presidential election year. So obviously New York and California are blue states, though these are more conservative, independent districts. But these are a lot of toss-up races. So this could go late uh, in the night and could actually, we may not even know who's going to control the House. Uh, for for a week plus after the election uh, if it really comes down to it. Because it's going to come down to, uh, I think, a handful of seats, and that's going to decide it. And that's why the money is so important.
3: Yeah, I I guess so. It will come down to that. I'd like to ask you about two candidates, uh, uh, Tim Sheehy in Montana Uh and Dave McCormick in Pennsylvania. What is your early assessment on their campaigns? I know Republicans' path to the majority, uh, that would help grease it.
9: Yeah, listen, the Democrats have n- almost no uh, margin for error in the Senate because of the map. Uh, they really can't pick up any seats. They say they're going to try to take out Ted Cruz and Rick Scott. I-, I think that's really unlikely. So they are just playing defense. And and you mentioned Montana, uh, uh, Sheehy, solid candidate, taking on Tester, who has survived in a red state, uh, Sherrod Brown in Ohio. Uh, in, in going to be in a tough race. Uh, Pennsylvania, Dave McCormick, who lost to Oz, Amendment uh, Oz uh, last time around, he's going to be the guy to take on Bob Casey. So Democrats are going to have to basically run the table and defend all these seats. Why? Well, because of the map, but also because Joe Manchin's not running. So the Republican, uh, that Republican, that seat in West Virginia is clearly now going to be a Republican. That makes it a 50-50 Senate. If Republicans win one more they get the Senate, so I think it's. I think the chances are highly likely uh, that Republicans are going to win the Senate. But remember, uh, a lot of people thought they were going to win the Senate last time, and they didn't.
3: Right. Uh, it depends on the quality of the candidacy. What about Arizona? Do you? Does your indications, Bob Cusack, with Tom about Cusack, the Hill, indicate that Cinema will stay in? Because I don't see the infrastructure around her. Because she left the Democratic Party.
9: Yeah, that, I think that's a fascinating race because you got Gallego as a Democrat. Where is where Dem- Chuck Schumer going to go? You know, he's been working with Cinema. Um, I think Cinema is going to run. She has a fair amount of money, but as you say, a lot of donors, because they're Democratic donors, and she left the Democratic Party, are now giving to Gallego. And then you have Kari Lake uh, running, who has been, you know, uh, kind of had a contentious relationship with the Republican establishment, but that has warmed recently. So I think this is a, a toss-up race. I would be shocked if Cinema doesn't run. Uh, and, and that could split the Democratic vote. So that's that's a potential pickup, uh, certainly, uh, for, for the GOP. But that's going to be kind of a an unusual and odd race.
3: Right, and of course it will take three weeks to count the votes. I, I don't think they've gone <laughs> done anything uh, to improve their voting like Florida went ahead and did, and we think Georgia did too. Uh, Bob, fascinating, uh, especially at this point. Uh, there's so much up in the air, and now we have all these other parties from RFK to – the no labels to Jill Stein in the green uh, and whatever, uh, whatever uh, Corn, uh, Cornell West is doing. I'm not sure. But all one percent, one percent, two percent could really make a difference.
9: Totally could make it a difference. And and if you look at the, the returns in, in, in right. various states, it could totally make a difference. So this thanks. This is going to be a crazy election. That's for sure.
3: Bob Cusack of the Hill.
9: You're with Brian Kilmeade.
2: The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
3: Hey, we don't have much time, but I just want to come back and tell you. That I went a little long because I just find this whole season, 2024, it's not even 2024 yet. It's so fascinating. And uh, when you think about the individual races, you would think in the Senate, for example, if the Senate flips, it's going to dramatically change your life. Number one, don't have to worry about the filibuster being busted again. You don't have to worry about being added to states in some haphazard fashion. You don't have to worry about uh, packing the court. You have to uh, you have to think even if a Democrat becomes president and hold your tongue, because if it's Joe Biden, uh, we are in a lot of trouble more than you can ever imagine. But they're not going to be able to jam down these nominees that are just left wing activists who are checking a box. You know, they even stop some of them anyway, thanks to Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema and others, and a couple of others uh, sometimes uh, intermittent sober Democrats. So th- that's why I think Tim Sheehy, as a as a Special Operator, I believe a Navy SEAL, should destroy John Tester. John Tester never took the heat that Joe Manchin did, and he should have. He never stood up and was a moderate. He would claim to be a moderate and vote with Joe Biden every single step of the way. And in Pennsylvania, it's hard to imagine on paper a better candidate than Dave McCormick, who now has experience taking on Senator Casey, who never does anything, just votes along with the party, never see him taking a leadership role. And then you have a guy that served in the military, went to West Point, went to war, was in the Department of Treasury, then became a self-made success story, multimillionaire, and now wants to be senator. Have at it.
2: The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade
10: but I think that they're very definitely watching what we do. And that's why we've got to make sure that we stand by President Zelensky and the Ukrainian people. Because if we turn our backs on them, then I'm sure President Xi thinks we'll turn our back on Taiwan. That's why this is absolutely uh, important, and we cannot fail to fund both. You know, Mr. McCall and I have traveled collectively together. We recently just
5: came back from Israel and talked to some of those families that uh, had lost and have some who— whose family members are still held hostage, and others that were killed. I felt
10: the same way in looking at the same things that was done by Hamas to the Israelis,
5: that was done to the Ukrainians by Mr. Putin.
3: And that, of course, the Congressman Meeks, uh, he does get along with Mike McCall. I know they really respect each other on the House Foreign Relations Committee, and they're really urging Ukraine to be supported, where a lot of people are equivocating on it. And right now, that has been punted to maybe the new year to in order the funding that war as well as the Israeli war. Uh, Dan Bilak joins us. joins us now, member of the Territorial Defense Force of Ukraine. Dan's also an attorney based in Kyiv. Uh, Dan, welcome back. We had the um, President Zelensky sit down with Benjamin Hall for an hour and a half. I'm looking forward to seeing that. But do you think right now you guys are in a stalemate?
12: Um, thanks for having me on, Brian. Uh, I, I think that uh, you know stalemate is is kind of a, a word where where nothing's happening, uh, where whereas things are happening. I mean, I think Pre- I think General Zalusny, our the chief chief of uh, our, our army the commander chief, said the right thing. He said this is positioning war as opposed to maneuvering war. And you know we 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 wanted we needed all sorts of kits still last year. You know if we if we gotten you know the, the 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 tanks and the armor and 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 uh the, the other equipment that we needed they were begging for back in in this time last year we'd probably be in a very different position because we gave them almost six months to uh, to to dig in and the russians to dig in and 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 mine as you know most of most of the south but you know what we're still pressing the advantage brian um you know we we have even though we have no air force we have no navy We've denied them control of the air, and we've denied them control of the Black Sea. And by, you know, using the kit that we've been getting from, from the U.S. and our other allies very effectively and, and very responsibly, we, we've, been, we've been mixing it with, the, with new drones and new technologies that we've been coming up with to, to really push the— we've almost pushed the Black Sea fleet out of Crimea and into back into Russia to their port at Novorossiysk. Um that, that's pretty significant because it's meant that 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 we've got a lot fewer rockets coming at us and in into our cities and our homes from from their their ships in the Black Sea. And you know frankly, we've shown what long range missiles can do. We've used the storm shadows and and scalps that we got from the u k and the and and the French to take out the Black Sea Fleet headquarters which has had a major, major impact on, on the Russian ability to project power in the Black Sea Fleet. And when we got our first set of attackums, the shorter-range ones, with cluster bomb uh, warheads instead of the unitary warheads, we, we took out a, an airfield in uh, in, in occupied near Mariupol, in the occupied territory, and took out 19-9 nine helicopters. I mean, you know, this this stuff makes a big difference. If we had more of it, this this might be a different war. So, you know, we're not we're not giving up, and and uh, you know, we 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 just need really to our, our allies to double down and and support us. You know, I read today that we're getting thirty percent less uh, of the artillery shells, the one fifty five millimeter shells that we that we need, and that that all of that makes a big difference, Brian. Because you know, we're outgunned, we're outnumbered. We just we have to fight smarter and, and more asymmetrically. And we can defeat these people if we have the technology. And that's that's been General's illusion. Uh, uh, well, with a, a that, is it
3: true you're hitting inside Russia? You hit some military bases?
12: Yeah, our, 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 our people generally don't uh, don't, you know, admit or deny, uh, but then they kind of smile. So you know we're we're developing longer longer range capabilities we just we just developed a drone that can go a thousand kilometers it's like six hundred miles, which would be the longest range uh, 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 missile or uh, armament that we have and you know we're 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 trying to to take the fight to them. We have to take the fight to Russia. you know President Zelensky said this war started in Crimea literally 10 years ago we've been at war with them for 10 years this week is is exactly 10 years when the maidan revolution started and um and uh, uh but you know it 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 also started it the, law, the the latest version started in russia when putin decided to invade a uh, full scale and it's going to end in russia you know we're we're going to have to either convince people or or degrade them to the point mm-hmm. where they're they're going to they're going to sue for peace, or, or 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 changes will happen. So, r- roughly, so you've we, we 50, no roughly, you've taken fifty.
3: Roughly, you've taken fifty percent of the land that they took on the initial invasion back.
12: Well, we've taken we've taken more than yeah, about mo- roughly fifty percent of what they what they uh, took in the first instance. We have taken back. We 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 have. Been, it's been much slower and harder because of the the, the mining and of, of the fields. And, and the trenches and everything else. Plus, they have attack helicopters. They've got air force. We we don't have these things, and and it, it you know it really puts our our soldiers at risk. But but we are advancing. I mean, we've now crossed the Dnipro River in the south at Cherson, and we we have beachheads there, and we're actually getting armor to the other side, which is a big big advantage because they're they're quite stretched. They're stretched along a 600 mile uh, front. Front line, and and they can't. They keep throwing uh, their whatever. They don't have a lot of reserves, so they keep throwing whatever troops they have available into into different uh, spots to to shore up their lines. So we we just have to keep pressing. And you know the Kherson thing. What keep keep your eye on that. That's that's really interesting because that, that if we get within artillery range of 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 their supply lines from Crimea. This is a very different war, and that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to attrit their forces. We're trying to degrade their supply lines, take out their ammunition uh, depots, take out their fuel depots, and 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 look, you know, in a Dvinka where they've thrown in the Donbas, they've thrown like they're throwing bodies at us, like like you wouldn't believe. They lost seven thousand men last year, last week. They're losing like five to seven thousand men in that one pocket uh every single week and and you know I guess they got a lot of people that they can still uh throw at us but mm-hmm. you know these aren't trained soldiers by any stretch. Right uh it's just a meat grinder.
3: We're we're talking to Dan Bilak, he's uh calling us from Ukraine. So Dan, looking at the uh bigger picture, are you able to export grain? Well
12: we're 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 exporting <laughs> It's a really interesting question. I mean, uh, we are getting it down through a, a new grain corridor that we set out, uh, set up, which is where we hug the coastline of Romania and Bulgaria and Turkey, all, all NATO members. And, uh, and so there were if we're going within their territorial waters, the Russians aren't going to hit those ships. But, you know, there are still vulnerabilities. There was a ship that was hit by a floating mine last week. Um, and uh, I understand that uh, those three countries—Romania, uh, Bulgaria, Turkey—are are, going to try to put together a, a, a force to, to try to keep their their waterways uh, clear of mines. But you know we have problems on our on our western border with our with our allies, where we have Polish. Uh, uh, first we had Polish farmers, and now we have Polish um, uh, uh, truckers that are blocking uh, the, the the crossing points at the border. Um, disputes over haulage fees and things like that and and you know we have we have there's like 60 kilometer or you know 50 mile uh lineups of of trucks uh trying to get over that border wow Um, and that's got to be something
3: settled by politicians unbelievable Uh, i did not know that but lastly when are the pilots going to be ready with the f-16s
12: well, I mean, we're what we are hoping is that they'll be ready uh, um, late winter, early spring. I mean, you, you know, the, the, these are these are accelerated training programs, as you can as you can imagine. It took a long time to get them up and running um, because you have to train not just pilots but the ground crews and all the technicians. Um, everything's got to work in a in a in a very synchronized manner, and you've got to put them on fields in different places. So the Russians don't bomb them. And uh, so this is this is going to be quite a challenge. But we're hoping to get these guys in the air and to get our boys in the air. Uh, what I've heard is the end of February, beginning of March. I mean, that would be a miracle if it happened. It would be it would really be welcome because, you know, it's one of the best versatile aircraft in the world. And uh, how many and, will you have? We, we're really lacking them.
3: How many will you have?
12: Uh, that's a good question. Um, I'm, I'm not really sure. Okay. Uh, I hear all sorts of different numbers. I hear like, we're going to get up to a hundred, but I doubt that's going to happen right away. Um, you know, we're, we're going to have to get our, our initial set of pilots trained up and then they're going to have to train other pilots. And so it, 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 I, you know, hopefully if we get a dozen, it'll be a, a, you know, it'll be a good start. Mm.
3: Dan, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Stay strong. Appreciate it over here.
12: Thanks, Brian. Thank you and the people of the United States. We couldn't do this without you.
3: Right. Uh, keep in mind, they're going for Georgia, going for Moldova. They're going to create havoc in the Balkans. they got to be stopped in Ukraine. You might not like it, but they didn't like being invaded either.
2: Now, the Brian Kilmeade Show joins Fox Business's Varney & Company with Stuart Varney. Live on your radio and on Fox Business, here's Brian Kilmeade.
3: Hi, everyone. Welcome back. In a matter of moments, I'm going to go on Fox Business Network. Keep in mind, too, I'll talk about it in the back end, but we do have a special Saturday edition of One Nation Begins at 9 o'clock in Teddy and Booker T. We'll find out if it stays on the best seller list, but it says top 10 of the country. Hope everyone could download it. Also, you could watch the special on Fox Nation, get an idea how two American icons played a path to racial equality. It's, I think it's a story you need to hear uh, two great Americans who came from nowhere to mean so much to the country, even today. Um, and there's so many other stories. We've been covering three main stories, the political correctness of the Pentagon and so much more. But let's listen in. Here's Stewart.
11: 51 on the East Coast. and You know what that means? It means it's time for Brian Kilmeade, the man who never takes a day off. He works 23 out of 24 hours on- I'm sure he makes something else happen on that extra hour. Brian, good morning to you. Elon Musk's ex just launched a uh, defamation lawsuit against Media Matters for America. They claimed that the platform showed anti-Semitic posts next to advertisements and it triggered an advertiser exodus. Now, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton just opened an investigation into Media Matters for potential fraudulent activity. Do Musk and Texas here, Brian, have a case, do you think?
3: I think it's a pretty strong case. And not only that, I, I, go, I salute Ken Paxson for doing this. Media Matters is a despicable organization mm. that exists just to create havoc for left-wing causes. And Elon Musk has got the wherewithal to take them on, and he doesn't care. He'll bring it on. Well, what he's done in saving uh, Twitter has mm. uh, really been well real chronicled on this channel. Uh, what he done with Matt Taibbi and Barry Weiss getting in there, to re- revealing the bias that was taking place during the last election cycle and beyond, and then through the pandemic. And then you have Elon Musk saying, wait a second, you're trying to destroy me? Let's go through this. And he says, I'm going to file a thermonuclear lawsuit. And one of his lines was, I cannot wait for the discovery. Uh, It is going to be great to see the discovery process on Media Matters, who's behind it, and what the agenda is. He has lost IBM He has lost Apple, Lionsgate, Paramount, all off of what he now calls X because of what they say is an anti-Semitic post that he might have retweeted, which could be litigated another time. But also the Missouri AG also might join in with Ken Paxton. I love it.
11: Yeah, yeah, go right ahead. I would say uh, the same thing. I want to get into this issue, Brian. Ramapo College in New Jersey getting a lot of backlash after they congratulated a transgender swimmer for breaking the women's 100-yard butterfly record. That post has since been deleted. A spokesman for the college said the school will continue to support all of their student-athletes, adding that the post was, quote, deleted by a peer who wanted to protect their teammate from insulting comments on the post. Here's another example of this, Brian. I mean, this just cannot be right, can it?
3: No, it isn't. And it's called, this swimmer, when, was when she was a man, swam for the men's team, average it best, decides to become mm. a woman, and celebrate the fact that she set a butterfly record. Uh, for me, I want to know who came in fourth. And I, I, for now on, every time a man yeah. comes in a race, I don't want to see the top three, I want to see the top four. I want to see four people get medals. And then you leave these records, put an asterisk. I mean, Roger Maris has an asterisk because he played in 162 mm. games instead of uh, Babe Ruth played 154. All right? When he had the record at 61 homers. Put right. an asterisk. Was a man. Keep that in mind when you look at the women's record. I, I don't have anything against this um, uh, woman at all. I, you know, yep. live your life, but just don't ruin sports for women. That's all. And if the, I worry about them getting into soccer. We see some horrible things in lacrosse. Uh, they're just too big and strong, yeah. and it's not fair. Don't women's rights matter?
11: Yeah, I mean, how would you feel if you're a young lady and you're really competing at the top level and you're hoping to become, uh, you know, a name in the state and perhaps nationally? And then all of a sudden it gets thrown out the window because someone decides they want to be another sex and dominate your sport. I mean, it just cannot be right.
3: It's going to be, you know, it's going to be litigated out in 2024. And because for the longest time it was the Me Too movement. What about women's rights in society? They've been taking advantage of for years. And we see people going to prison and being canceled. All of a sudden, when you stick up for women now, everyone goes radio silence. At least some Republican candidates right. are stepping up and going, that's not okay with me. And if you have a daughter out there, you should really be able to relate to this, especially if they try to compete in any level of sports. It's bad enough individual. Again, yes. back to the contact sports. You put a man that decides to be a woman in the contact sport like soccer yeah. with no pads, or you put him in lacrosse right. or field hockey, all bets are off. People's faces are getting shattered. Yeah. I, we all saw that video a
11: couple of weeks it's ago. It's ridiculous. Yeah, you're absolutely right. As always, I should point out, Brian Kilmeade, thank you so much, sir. Happy Thanksgiving to you, by the way. Back
3: at you and, and um, your family. Thank all you. Right. All right. So that was uh, great to be on that great network, Fox Business Network. Uh, but I was saying before, uh, with this trans over with this uh, Ramapo College swimmer, they posted out, congratulations. And I also realized that that person's not having an easy life if they aren't happy with the gender they're in and they want to switch, that's not an easy decision. But if you're bold enough to not only switch genders but stay in the same sport, just switch bathing suits and then go in and not care how other people might feel as though it's not fair that their life dream is being blown up because you made a personal decision, you want to do that in school, go ahead and compete. Try to get the best grades possible. Who cares what gender you are? But if you're going to compete athletically or if you want to compete for the same job, go do it. But athletically, come on, this is not even a hard question, is it? I mean, you have to have the transgender games, and and I'm sure you'll get a ton of sponsors. I just keep in mind, too, I just want to go over a couple of things. Uh, coming up, uh, I'm, sell, I'm talking about uh, Teddy and Booker T. So I'm going to have a chance to go to... Uh, Barnes and Noble, Saturday, November 25th, this Saturday at 4 o'clock. It's where I sign all my books and I go around the country. I do one signing on Long Island right off Sunrise Highway. I hope to see everyone there. On the 29th, Point Pleasant Beach, New Jersey. On the 29th, that's at uh, the Little Point Bookshop. On December 1st, at Eureka, Min- uh, Missouri, I'm going to be with everyone at the Brookdale Farms at KFTK. December 2nd, in Dallas, Texas, in the morning, excuse me, the afternoon, 3 to 5. At 11 o'clock that same day, I'll be in Harker Heights, Texas, at the Barnes & Noble there. And then it was my best signing ever, Fairhope, Alabama, Page and Pallet, December 3rd, December 8th in Dayton, Ohio, WHIO, and December 9th in Lexington, Kentucky. That's a lot to go on. Go to briankilmeade.com.
2: news radio studios in midtown manhattan it's the fastest growing radio talk show brian Kilmead. hi
3: everyone thanks so much for being here and listening to us all year long coming up on thanksgiving uh we have a lot to discuss as you know the news has not slowed down we're going to be joined by joel rosenberg over in uh israel and lee zeldin at the bottom of the hour to unmask what it will take to be successful in new york he got within five points of uh uh, being the next governor from New York, a Republican governor, first one since Pataki. He did so well, I believe and most agree that his coattails helped flip the House of Representatives because it could, could brought so many Republicans along with him, but including George Santos, who's an embarrassment uh, to the country, not just his party. So we'll talk about that with Lee. Uh, and, of course, we're following all the news. We are getting reports that at any moment, my fingers are crossed, is going to be a hostage release Uh, That's coming from Qatar, and there's some reports, too, that it's imminent coming from Israel. So let's get to the big three.
4: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. They are beefing up the budget for diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility training. You look at the 2022 budget for that, 68 million. 2023, 86 and a half million. The 2024 request is for 114 million dollars plus 700 thousand uh, and change.
3: Political correctness killing the Pentagon. First, the ouster of our troops over refusal to get vaxed. Meanwhile, we have very few guys. We lost 1,900. Now they can come back. Would you? And now re- now reveal the military is wasting billions on diversity instead of bombs, bullets, training and recruiting.
5: Number two. I don't think that there is going to be a change here in the nominee. In that NBC poll, 77% of Democrats picked Biden for the nominee. He wants to run again. He is running. So I don't think there's a plan B.
3: 2024. More polls show Trump is too strong, perhaps, to stop. And the old label might be too much for Biden to beat. We'll review all aspects of 2024, including the GOP fractious attempt to protect their house.
6: Number one.
0: This puts, uh, I I think, exposes clearly Hamas's lies. They've been saying for weeks that they've got no military installation there under the hospital. But I think it's time the whole world now admitted Hamas has been brutalizing the people of Gaza. Mm
3: Now we know. Hospitals where headquarters is captured Hamas terrorists reveal they dressed as doctors and nurses hiding among the sick, which is why they were targeting the hospitals in Gaza. We'll bring you the latest. And let's go to Joel Rosenberg right now. He's the editor-in-chief of All Israel News and All Arab News and the president and CEO of Near East Media, a New York Times best-selling author. Joel, your reaction. First off, what do your sources say about a possible release of dozens of hostages?
6: Brian, great to be with you, and I'm very close to the border of Gaza right now. I've been reporting all day um, artillery, shells, uh, fighter jets, bombings. But, yeah, the, the Israel is anticipating. I mean, I would say every Israeli is, uh, is paying very close attention. It, it's uh, 6.09 p.m. here. Uh, the, uh, the security cabinet is meeting right now. Uh, Netanyahu and his most senior uh, officials and then at eight o'clock Israel time which would be one o'clock eastern um, the entire government uh, will be meeting now as I'm talking to you rockets are in the air I'm actually getting rocket alerts on my phone um, on an app that I have so um, Hamas is taking its final shots at the moment but I, I you know I I expect there will be a deal now, I will say, Brian, that for most Americans, they think of Israelis as never negotiating with terrorists. Like that's a – you would think that would be a bedrock rule, but it's not actually true. Uh, Israel ha- is struggling, uh, to be honest, with the fact that it, it 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 values its own citizens more than the prisoners uh, and the terrorists that they've taken – Attention, and but the contract, uh, unwritten but definitely known by every Israeli, is you never leave an Israeli behind. If there's any way to get them back, um, uh, you have to do it. Netanyahu once gave something like 1,100 terrorists to Hamas and others to get one hostage back, uh, somebody who'd been in you know in hostage held hostage for years. So. Right now we're looking at between 50 and 80 maybe in the next couple of days, but there's talk that maybe 140 uh, terrorist prisoners would be released, and that's a tension here. I'll just say one more thing, Brian. At, literally on my phone as I'm talking to you, the sirens are going off in my ear, um, so I'm telling you they're taking their final – it happens every time. If we're close to a uh, – uh, a, uh, a ceasefire of any kind, um, the terrorists uh, go crazy in the final hours.
3: So they're they're hitting rockets towards you. Are they coming from the Hamas side, the Gaza
6: side,
0: or Hezbollah side? Yeah, exactly.
6: The Gaza side. No, 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 sorry. Well, well, both, I will say. Um, There are rockets and missiles coming um, at the Lebanon side, but that's an entirely different front. That's on the north, and we're dealing with it. But at the same time, right now, what we're getting is a barrage of rockets coming in from Gaza.
3: Does it blow you away that three weeks into this, they still have rocket ability to shoot rockets?
6: Yeah, we're well over 11,000. And I will say, you know, we're on day 46. OK, so uh, a little bit over a month, uh, coming up on a month and a half. The the most they've ever fired was 4,300. Uh, I know that because that was the month that my wife and I and our sons arrived as dual u s Israeli citizens to live here full time, that was nine and a half years ago, so that was forty three hundred in a month, and now we've had eleven thousand in in just a little bit over a month so it's uh people here in Israel are shocked by that number as as well as of course by the invasion on october seventh
3: are they resupplied? Are they getting resupplied?
6: There's no way for them to resupply, but what we think has happened is it has been fairly quiet, I mean not totally, but over the last several years, and that's what lulled the Israeli government and intelligence and military into a false sense of security. There was a sense that, well, there's a couple other factions, Palestinian Islamic Jihad and and another one, and they would occasionally fire off some rockets, sometimes hundreds. But then, think, but but Hamas was always over the last several years was always like, eh, it's not us. Look, we'll do what we can to try to tamp things down. But it looks like what they were really doing is stockpiling. Worse, worse, Brian, and and you may have reported this in the past, but um, the, the international community, were trying to be helpful, was helping Hamas as a government rebuild its water system because the pipes were so old. Well, we now know that Hamas was taking those pipes and turning them, you know, cutting them and turning them into rockets. So it's just more of the savagery and the cynicism and uh, and and that you cannot trust a terrorist government.
3: All right. A couple of things I understand on your in, in Israeli television. They are showing some Hamas captured fighters, terrorists, and they are saying that they were at hospitals. They were in hospitals, some dressing like doctors and nurses, and that's where the headquarters were located. Could you tell me about this?
6: Yeah, and, and this is one of the things that I, that we are struggling here in Israel so much, that the, the, the mainstream media, um, you know, certainly the New York Times, BBC, uh, MSNBC, CNN, have really bought – the Hamas propaganda hook, line, and sinker. I mean, and so what we're dealing with is Israeli intelligence is pretty impressive. Now it blew it on October seventh. Don't get me wrong, and and, there, and heads will roll politically here after we win, and we're going to win. But um, Israel knew and had been tracking what was going on and was trying to explain it to the world. And 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 you know, Brian, because you're you're there, I'm over here, but you know, the American media was not listening was not accepting, was acting like Israel was crazy. And how could you announce that you were going to go send special forces into a hospital or every hospital? But that's because we knew. And now the news is coming out that we were right.
3: One of the captains who identified himself as something unpronounceable tells uh, off-camera that about 100 Hamas operators took control of the Rantisi Hospital in Gaza for about five days to carry out attacks. They were organized in several tents with each group operatives, uh, operatives by themselves in groups of four to five. Them sitting together, all of them around the hospital. Uh, They admitted the terrorists operated from the hospital because it was a secure place and no one could locate them there. He said it was better than operating from their homes. Okay, so the doctors were furious because Hamas operatives and operatives of the terror organization were inside the hospital, but they couldn't do anything. If they protested, they'd be killed on the spot.
6: But, well, that's exactly right. And as we've been reporting on our website, All Israel News, um, it, this, this has been the modus the operandi of Hamas, which is um, – I mean, there, each of these is a war crime, right? What, what's crazy well, – we're in a crazy world, Brian, where Israel is being accused of war crimes, including by the UN Secretary General, Guterres, terrorists, right? But actually what's happening, it, it's a war crime to use a hospital or a school or a mosque, or a church to launch missiles and hide terrorists. And yet this is literally what's been happening. And yet the world is so much more willing to believe a genocidal terrorist organization crazy. that has beheaded babies and burned people alive than Israel. And that is anti-Semitism in its, in its most wicked form.
3: So evidently the New York Times is reporting that you guys are looking to get 50 chill, women and children back and they're looking to get uh, in exchange for fifty teenagers and women back from from Israeli prisons. What can you tell me about that?
6: So, so I don't know the specific details, but this has happened where Israel sort of grades. Um, I'm not sure if that's the right way to put it, but for the purposes of the, our conversation, essentially grades the prisoners we had. Like, and and so. Um, Women and teenagers have been used to be suicide bombers to transport um, and by the way, more rocket sirens, more rockets are inbound as we speak but um but it, you know it, it sounds like, oh, we you know, Israel has women and children, yeah, people who commit terrorist acts, we capture them and uh, and we put them in prison. But Israel does sort of grade them, and if there are people that were maybe transporting weapons or moving money, right, or hiding. Um, you know, terrorists in our house or something. Uh, we're more willing to give those people back and release them for our innocent right. civilian hostages. Um, we don't, but but I'll tell you, Brian, this has been a conversation that actual fam, hostage families, people who have loved ones, including babies and children and, and Holocaust survivors in Gaza, have been warning the prime minister: don't give people that have blood on their hands. Like, you're just going to make it worse. And yet there are others who are like, I don't care. You know, let them all out and then go kill them or arrest them later. But right now we've got to get our people back. So that's a tension that. So you're giving up 50,
3: you're getting back 50 or, you know, there could be international. I'm not we don't know. The 50 are coming our way and 100 are going their way. Uh, I want you to well, hear if you if talk about the hold up, right yeah, I want you to hear from the American press. you talk about them not trusting you guys here 's an example. This is Nancy Yousef of MSNBC Cut Five.
7: What we saw coming out of the hospital after the Israelis um, entered, I think, also then raised questions about the degree to which the hospital was used. Remember that in the run-up to um, Israel entering the hospital, they said that that it was the the focus of Hamas operations. But so far, we haven't seen evidence to that. While there have been AK-47s, rocket tanks, and other um, equipment found, there isn't anything to indicate that this is really sort of the central hub of Hamas operations.
3: And this was on MSNBC from a Washington Post national security corresponding. What's your, is that just inaccurate
7: no it's, I,
6: I i i'm at a loss for words brian at, 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 but let me go back to a more such a clear example when remember a few weeks ago when um Hamas claimed that israel bombed one of their hospitals, right?
3: I remember, yeah. what,
6: what happened, the, the New York Times, by the way, I've got rockets uh, blowing up over our head right now, so we can hear the boom, is that Let me ask you, is that
3: unusual for it to reach to you?
6: Uh, no, not where I am, because I've just started leaving the border area um, a little while ago. I've been reporting um, um, all day along the border. Um, but anyway, it, but we're also getting rocket fire, missile fire from, from the north. So just to confirm uh, what you just said. But going back to that hospital situation, so here the world accuses Israel of, un, uh, of committing war crimes to go into the hospitals, but the hospitals are being used by terrorists. Then, a few weeks ago, right, the New York Times puts a front page, top you know, screaming headline, Israel bombs Palestinian hospital, says Palestinian health officials. <laughs> well, Palestinian health officials, that's Hamas. They're a terrorist government. And so the idea but but think about that Brian just just break that down for a moment. So first, the New York Times immediately believes a genocidal terrorist organization. Number 1. Second, they don't even consider the possibility that they're being lied to, right? Third, they so believe the narrative that of course Israel would bomb a Palestinian hospital, but none of those things were true, okay? So and and within hours we could prove it. And by the next day, we had 10 video angles plus an intercept that Israeli intelligence picked up between two Hamas operatives.
3: No, know, I know, I know oh, I that's been gosh, well chronicled, but there's I, we remember that. But I'm just saying from here on in, you guys got to do a, a real good job of taping everything, unveiling these tunnels and just make it indisputable because these people are working against you. And we're seeing it on these college campuses, protests for Hamas. Yes. If the women yeah. for Hamas, you know what their lives would be like if they were a member of Hamas. I mean, these no, people are God. just right. nuts. Well, and here's ignorant. The
6: pro- here's the problem that we face, Brian, it. it those people are unpersuadable. Like something has, something crazy and wicked has been unleashed in the world, and just even if we were doing better um, public relations, what we say in Hebrew, hazbara, even if we were doing it as well as you possibly could, those people that are out there on the top of Hamas, they're never, you know. But why are they working for the New York Times? Why are they working for MSNBC? Why do they work for CNN? How is that possible? that at that level, you know, we're not talking about some idiot 18-year-old. We're talking about professional journalists who decide, no, it's more likely that Hamas is right, Israel is horrible.
3: Right. Uh, Until they get burned over and over again and they start losing their jobs, (laughs) they're going to keep doing it. Hopefully we'll expose them, and you will too. Joe Rosenberg, thanks so much. Stay safe. It's an honor. Thank you, Brian. Back in a moment.
2: Learning something new every day on The Brian Kilmeade Show. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade.
1: There are a lot of people that are afraid, afraid of being Jewish at this time, and are getting a taste of what it feels like to be a Muslim in this country, so often uh, subjected to violence. It's important to listen, it's important to have facts, try to take a breath before you answer, and... If it's possible,
3: have a conversation. We need a cease fire now right cease fire uh, while they uh, continue to shower rockets into Israel, but you got to cease fire Hezbollah too, but we were just on with the reporter Joe Rosenberg who was talking about the amount of rockets that are still uh, showering into Israel even though a ceasefire is about, or excuse me, a pause is about to take place. It seems that, you know, there's been talk speculation. It'll be, the New York Times says, it'll be 50 hostages, women and children, for 100 Palestinian prisoners, women and teens. So that's where it is. It's usually two or three to one. That's the way they do it. They value life a lot more on the Western side, on the Israeli side, if it is indeed true. But if indeed is true and there is a pause... I'm sure they'll put drones up in the air if Israel's smart, and then see how the Hamas fighters pop out, of their, uh, pop out of their tunnels and where they go. Because they found, we just heard Jeff Paul of Fox News say the IDF has announced to them they found three more tunnels around that huge hospital. So three tunnels around a hospital. We have uh, captured Hamas terrorists saying, yeah, we were told the hospital dress like doctors and, and dress like uh, nurses.
2: information you want truth you demand this is the brian kilmeade show
5: i don't think that there's going to be a change here in the nominee in that nbc poll 77 percent of democrats picked biden for the nominee he's got the full party machinery he wants to run again he is running so i don't think there's a plan b Biden has a year. I've worked with presidents before, so is Ari. A year is a long time in presidential history. And let's face it, if people thought the economy was going well, they wouldn't care about his age. It's really about the economy, immigration, crime, and key issues he's got a year to fix.
3: All right, we are back, everybody. Brian Kilmeade here. We are uh, taking a look at what's happening on this hostage release. And we're getting some reports that it's going to be done, but they want to see a ceasefire first. And the Israelis are saying that they don't expect Hamas to do a ceasefire. So how are you going to release any hostages if there's no ceasefire? I thought the Israelis were at the heart of time. It's Hamas that's sending the rockets over, which is stunning to me. Joining us now is Lee Zeldin, knows all about this. Uh, Lee Zeldin is a Jewish-American from New York, working hard to make sure Republican continues to uh, maybe tilt towards purple But remains blue. But a lot of Republicans are having success here, including him. Uh, Lee, welcome back.
13: Hey, It's always great to be with you, Brian.
3: So what's your take? I know you have great sources in Israel. Should we expect this hostage swap? Uh, Excuse me, not a hostage swap. Prisoner exchange for hostages.
13: So it's, it's something that we're hearing reports that a deal is, is imminent. Some are saying that it's done. You just brought up a a, a great point uh, as far as the, the ceasefire. So uh, the way that I look at it, there's a, a few possible fronts. If Israel reaches a deal with Hamas, and let's say there was a ceasefire, that doesn't stop. The Houthis from carrying out their attack doesn't care, uh, stop Hezbollah up in Lebanon from carrying out their attack. They are not parties to this deal, so we should keep an eye on that front. Uh, th- there will likely be. Uh, international pressure on Israel if there is a ceasefire to keep this ceasefire. And something else for us to keep in mind as that goes forward is that domestically inside of Israel, uh, that is not going to be viewed as an option to just not eliminate Hamas. Uh, So uh, that's why we've we've been seeing so many of these Hamas sympathizers uh, uh, here in the United States and around the world trying to get a ceasefire under the belief that that is the best shot that Hamas has to be able to to regroup, uh, to be able to survive. So uh, yeah, I mean, as, as far as the first part of your question is a uh, a deal here possible? Sure, it might, it might be imminent. It might be it might be done. There's a, a couple dynamics that uh, we'll have to see in short order whether or not there actually is a ceasefire. But keep an eye on those other fronts. Keep an eye on both the international pressure and also the domestic response because I'm under the belief, like many others, that Israel has to eliminate
3: Hamas. I, w- I want you to hear this idea reservist from Israel said this last night on our channel. Cut seven.
13: I don't think there is any reason to talk about that until all of the hostages are released. This is not uh, an organization we can trust. You cannot trust a group that breaks into another country, murders, rapes, and then publishes the footage of these murders and rapes on the Facebook pages of grandmothers and granddaughters and laughs and makes phone calls. Look, mom, I've yep. killed 10 Jews this is not a group you trust. This is not a group that you allow to regroup to better attack my brothers in arms. Release the hostages first.
3: Right. Uh, but you're not you know, you're not going to get all 250 back. We don't know how many are alive. And the other thing I heard, Lee, and I'll bring you to domestic politics shortly, is that they don't. The Hamas doesn't have all of them. That the minute they crossed the border, Islamic Jihad and other groups started just grabbing them.
13: Right. Uh, Hamas says that they have uh, 210. I I believe I saw a report uh, with that number. Uh, That number is less than the amount of hostages that were uh, believed to have been taken. So that leaves the question of uh, what happened to everybody else? Uh, Are they still alive? Have they been taken by others, Uh, as, as you just pointed out? Um so yeah well, and then the other piece that we're starting to see, you know we'll get more details uh is there there were some reports that the amount of hostages that were to be released uh was going to be a set number for every four days of a ceasefire uh so you we know, we have to get our we we'll have to get the facts out um you know make sure that we're you know, on the same page as to exactly what this deal is but um one thing that was reported is uh this concept that you know, that Israel's not getting uh, all of the hostages back uh simply for ceasefire fire starting and also not getting everybody back for that ceasefire being in place for just a few days uh, that there might be some type of a deal that there's a certain amount for every 4 days so uh we we need to get confirmation on that too
3: I mean so the people that they took they took children I mean they took children they took 80-year-old women uh they, they, it's just unbelievable uh, the what they chose as hostages we've never even seen anything like this uh,
13: yeah I, I actually you know and I've been to Kafaraza, the kibbutz where um a lot of media has been uh, that's where the reporting of the the babies who were beheaded uh took place, even though this is thousands of miles away from home uh it couldn't possibly feel any closer to home for for so many of us uh and as you and I are having this conversation right now, there are Jewish students on college campuses here domestically who fear when going from dorm to classroom, and then Jewish students reporting that when they complain about their fear to faculty, they're being told to speak to a therapist as opposed to getting the the actual resolution. Uh, so, and the one other piece, I mean, you you and I are both uh, from Long Island. One of the hostages, uh, Omer Nutra is uh, just recently out of high school on Long Island. Uh, after graduation, he went to fight in the IDF. He was a commander of a tank battalion on the border with G- Gaza, and he's one of those hostages. So, uh, you know, there are many uh, people who uh, we know around Long Island who know that family, and uh, and it's important to for all of us to keep in mind that while we're talking about you know large bulk of israeli hostages uh there's also a lot of americans mixed in w- with that as well which um uh, w- once again this couldn't possibly feel any closer to home even right. though it's thousands of miles away
3: well we'll follow that so we see the democratic party is fractured over it. it's not just those crazy squad members it's a lot i mean they they've surrounded and uh, caused violence uh around the dnc building a couple of days ago uh you see them uh, shaken uh, a lot of these uh, Democratic lawmakers can't understand it. Now this this 18 to 34 group is very critical of President Biden for, for the most part standing by Israel. Did you suspect this on the left? A party that happens to enjoy the majority of every Jewish vote in every election?
13: Uh, yeah they have a real problem on their hands, and they they have to root it out f- w- from their ranks because it it can get elevated, embraced, empowered if you 're silent about it. Uh, there are members of the the Democratic Party who uh, understand you know what moral clarity means in a moment like this the, un- who understand what right and wrong looks like, uh, and they really need to lead and take charge, and you have to singularly emphatically forcefully condemn anti-Semitism, in your ranks, uh, in Congress, on college campuses, on the streets. And, and when I watch these Hamas sympathizers dress like Hamas, use rhetoric like Hamas, and then even engage in yeah. in physical intimidation, uh, I, I, I'm not looking at my voters. Uh, I, the same thing happened when we had the BLM uh, riots that were taking place. Uh, the folks who were taking to the streets – they're not the ones who are who are voting for me and and, and the folks who I, you know, I usually get behind. they're the ones who were two hundred and ninety thousand strong uh, last year, uh, last week in washington d c not right. desecrating not vandalizing, not threatening. Uh, that's, and in that ranks, a lot of Democrats who didn't vote for me, but that's the way to exercise First Amendment freedom of speech.
3: All right, so Lee, uh, your goal now is to form a pack and try to make sure Republicans continue to make gains in, in blue states like New York. What are you doing about it?
13: Uh, we just came off of a local election where here on Long Island, for example, uh, we flipped the Suffolk County executive seats over the course of the last few years now uh, long Island, nassau, and suffolk county which is a, a, which is areas that that Obama and Clinton and Biden did well in these different pockets, especially you go to places like the town of uh, North Hempstead and some of these congressional districts, like the Fourth congressional district, uh, which is South. West Nassau. Uh, So we're in a situation where Suffolk and Nassau County exec, district attorney, the county legislature, all four house seats. Everything is Republican for the first time in my lifetime as far as uh, I can think of, Uh, and that's a good trend for us to continue. It's important to organize, to win campaigns not based off what you're against but what you are for. Take nothing for granted. Work hard until the last votes are actually not just uh, cast but also counted. Campaign as a a team. Understand the stakes because everything is at stake November of 24, and I want to do my part.
3: So is uh, your sense that New York, with the high taxes, with the exit of the billionaires, uh, with the uh, overall over being overrun by tens of thousands of illegal immigrants, they're, willing to, they're beginning to understand what Democratic policies do, or is this just hopeless?
13: No, you're, you're absolutely right. You add the safety dynamic, you add the freedom uh, dynamic. New York Post had a story that New York is the least free state now. Uh, in the entire country Uh, and it's really swung the independence uh, and you have a whole lot of Democrats who are disenfranchised Democrats we won the Asian vote during last year's race we won the Dominican vote we won the Orthodox Jewish vote Uh, there is uh, there are a lot of people out there who are upset with the direction of New York City and New York State so we have to continue this and this past uh, this month's local elections in the Bronx a city council candidate, Christy Marmarato, Republican, uh, ended up winning a city council seat in the Bronx. Uh, so it's not just in these uh, purple areas that have now become red, uh, or some blue areas that have become uh, purple, um, but but you're seeing in some of like the darkest blue territory in the country, uh, there are Democrats who are upset with mm-hmm. the direction right now and they want to try something different. And that's why we've now seen two consecutive Siena College polls that are putting the presidential race uh, as competitive. And Siena College actually pulled, uh, pulled me further away from Kathy Hochul than they're polling uh, that lead that Joe Biden has right now. So, you know, something to keep an eye on, obviously, really hard in a state that's 22 percent uh, registered Republican – uh, but clearly, between the elections polling policy uh, we 're seeing that this is in fact real that uh, right. New York has been shifting right
3: so right now the the question in this new poll uh, in this uh, siena poll uh, currently, how serious a problem do you think the most recent influx of migrants is in New York very serious? Fifty five percent of New Yorkers, 47 percent of which are Democrats, somewhat serious. Twenty seven percent of all New Yorkers. Twenty eight percent are Democrats. Here's a question. Do you think the New Yorkers have already done enough for new migrants and should now work to slow the flow? Sixty four percent said yes. Fifty three percent of those are Democrats. Eighty five percent of those are Republicans. You just got to think the quality of life and then education. And then you have to say to yourself, who shut down the schools for your kids? And who's shutting down the libraries? You know, who who's uh, cracking down on our crime? Who put tried to put federal troops into these cities and was ridiculed for it? Who tried to get sanctuary city status made illegal, unconstitutional, and was sued back for it? How many of those would like to go back with what Trump recommended in 2017?
13: Yeah, no, absolutely right. And you just used the term sanctuary city, and, and you had that. Uh, the sanctuary city policies in places like New York City, sanctuary state policies uh, coming out of uh, state capitals like what we see up in Albany. And there are a whole lot of New Yorkers who, listen, you ask the question another way. I don't believe that they support sanctuary city and sanctuary state policies. Uh, And now this week, the mayor of New York City put out a budget that is going through that has all sorts of severe cuts uh, in many respects contributed by this migrant crisis. And those cuts mm-hmm. include cuts to the NYPD. People aren't happy.
3: No, they're not. Uh, so, Lee, what about you? Are you thinking about running for Gillibrand Senate seat? Uh,
13: It's something that I haven't been thinking about, Uh, quite honestly. I I have been spending a lot of my time thinking about helping to get uh, other great candidates elected with this year's local election. Uh, And what I think is most likely is that after the November 2024 election, we'll start giving some thought to uh, making a decision on, on next steps. But mm-hmm. you know, at this point, my mind is consumed. Uh, as far as politically go, it goes, right. it's about expanding the Republican Party, getting good candidates elected, expanding the majority in the right. House. Gosh, we need it.
3: So uh, there's and, a story and- in the Washington Post about uh, Donald Trump, and they said for three years – The big thing with Democrats, don't bring up Trump. Just talk about my predecessor. Don't bring him up. Now the new strategy is bring him up. Encourage networks to interview him instead of saying we're supposed to not legitimize him. So knowing that that is the strategy, if you're Trump or Trump says to you, did you see that story, Lee? How should I handle it? What would you tell him?
13: Uh, Well, he has a whole lot of policy accomplishments from his presidency that he should never stop talking about. Uh, and I think that there's an opportunity here uh, to not just talk about how things were better in many respects uh, when he was in office, but also to talk about the future uh, and in a different direction that this, this uh, country needs to go, what our borders should look like, what energy policy should look like, foreign policy. We want to end World War III. We want to secure our border. We want to become you know, energy independent again. Uh, so go so to those things. Yeah, absolutely. I, it's, it, you have. But you and, know
3: every press, but everybody wants to talk about January 6th.
13: Well, listen, you just you, you, know, you can't you can't take the bait. I, I mean, there's uh, the, it is important to to talk about election integrity always. I mean, I believe that there should be voter ID in all 50 states. I don't think ballot harvesting
3: right. should
13: be legal anywhere. There's a conversation to be had about protecting elections, but do it looking forward. All
3: right. Uh, so I, I assume you're going to support him.
13: Uh, I, I believe I, I have been uh, supportive of the president. I get along with uh, a lot of the, uh, the Republicans who stepped up in this presidential mm-hmm. field. It was filled with talent. Uh, but quite frankly, honestly, once the Alvin Bragg indictment came out, I thought to myself that was going to launch uh, President Trump into a different stratosphere as far as his candidacy. He's never has. looked back. His lead's only grown. I think he's mm-hmm. going to be the nominee.
3: He is Lee Zeldin, uh, former New York uh, Republican governor, candidate, gubernatorial candidate, and congressman. Thanks, Lee.
13: Thanks, Brian. Take care. All right.
3: Uh, one of the most powerful figures and respected figures in the Republican Party. Back in a moment, Brian Kilmeade.
2: This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. From his mouth to, to your ears. ears, it's Brian Kilmeade.
3: So I was able to go to Governor Huckabee's great show on TNN, and, uh, and I had a chance to meet Pat Boone. This guy acts, you talk about age not matter, he's over 80, and he acts probably like he's 60. I would say he's 65, and he's so on top of things, so red, uh, read in. We had a chance to talk to him in the green room. So I thought, you know, let's do this, let's put it on Locals. And here's a little bit of my interview with Pat Boone. Who do you think Governor Huckabee likes better, me or you? I sense that he likes you better, and I think most of the audience agrees. But maybe you pick up only something because he is a big antique collector. Okay. <laughs> That's, it. That's the only one. Yeah. Okay, so I shouldn't take it first. I'm an antique. No. Okay. You're still modern. All right, good. And by the way, are you, do you think that if I stayed with the clarinet, that I would have had more success? Uh, because I quit in eighth grade. And it's a big regret of mine. I think it should have been the bassoon. Bassoon, that, yeah. So, <laughs> the so what with Locals is, you just go to uh, CulperClub.com. It's a chance to join a club uh, where just anybody who's subscribed, is just us, I interact, put up stuff live, do original stuff right inside that. And people are joining. Just started last week, and I'll put original interviews in places like that that you don't get anywhere else. By the way, go to BrianKilme.com, get Teddy and Booker T.